Thank you for tuning in to Talking Bay 94, the Star Wars podcast devoted interviews with the cast, crew, and creators of a galaxy far, far away. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today's episode is an amazing roundtable with some of the incredible sound team behind Kenobi, Bonnie Wilde, Julian Howard, and Danielle Dupree. This crew has been nominated for the Cinema Audio Society Award for Outstanding Achievement in Sound Mixing, and it is so incredibly well-deserved. I hope you enjoy this wonderful look into the process of bringing the sounds of Star Wars to life. This is Talking Bay 94, Episode 147, The Sound Team of Kenobi. Talk about your first inklings of wanting to get into this profession and how you did it, right? What was initially inspiring to you? What made you want to pursue it and, and how that actually happened? I started in music. I was playing instruments from being like 14, 15 in bands. And then my dad was like, you need to go to university. You need to do something, get a degree. You can't be a musician. He was like, it's never going to work. It didn't, obviously. And I did a degree in physics. Strange thing to do, but it was like, okay, do this. And then I was always involved in rock and roll and realized that my musical skills were not that brilliant. And I was better sitting at the front of the house and helping other musicians sound better. And it started that way. And so I started touring with rock and roll. I toured with Big Audio Dynamite years ago as one of their roadies. And then I went into theatre. And then it was that point of, you know, it, it's starting to see films and thinking this is a way to kind of move into carry on doing what I'm doing in the audiophile way rock and roll was tough it was you know touring was a tough job and then I got a job at an, on a British soap it was called Brookside it's a terrible British soap oh, it's Brookie terrible. remember Brookside yes yeah so I, I remember Brookie I was working in theatre in Manchester at that time and I got a phone call and it was actually my first day if you know Brookie my first day was Anna Friel burying a father under the patio under the patio no that was, that's the only that was, storyline anyone knows I know no, it is, it is. But that was my first day. I turned up and it was on Brookside Close and it was dragging the plastic bags out on the patio. And that was my first ever shot on TV. And that was my first bit. It was like as a boomer. And I'd never worked with cameras. And it was that point that kind of like, I really kind of liked the camaraderie and everybody getting together and on set. And that's how I started. I kind of always wanted from that point, you're interested in film, you start watching films and, and, and kind of noticing more. I want to work in big films. And it was like, how the heck do I do it? From Brookside, it was like, what the what path do I choose? And I just carried on working in it. And at that point, I worked in the UK. I moved out from Manchester, moved to London, again, working on bigger and bigger shows. And then I started working for the BBC. I think that'll be what 20 years ago maybe 20 years ago and that was on some of the BBC dramas so you kind of got to learn with them their methods and, and working with the BBC and then in the UK that continued and then I ended up working on Doctor Who British sci-fi series that's been going for years and years and years and I worked on that for like five years as a production sound mixer which was the David Tennant years on Doctor Who and then when David Tennant finished I got on a plane I sold all my kit and I moved to America, not knowing anybody, not knowing whether I was in the union, nothing. And I just landed here and thought I really like it. And then spent two years kind of getting contact, trying to get work, and then ended up working in movies here. It's like the work picks up and you just meet people. And if you're kind of an affable chap and you can do the job. And frankly, at that point, it was, I want to work on something like Star Wars. I can always remember that from being in London. It was like, I want to work on those type of movies. That kind of thing always touched your life all the way through. And it was always, that was always the reference of, if I can do that, I've made it. And then it's like, okay, and then we can think about other things. My dad worked in the business. He was a mixer. And so I'd always like hung out. I'd hung out with my dad, like, but he'd put me in the machine room and be like, he'd teach me to lace up the real to real stuff. And, uh, and sometimes he'd give me something to splice. It's the same kind of thing, but I did music and he was like, you don't want to work in this business, Bonds. 
you don't work in this business. But I did. See, I worked for ITV and I worked there for, I can't I was there for about seven years or something and our studios closed and then I was freelance and like Julie and I was like, come on, work on some movies, particularly Star Wars. And I was like, and I came out here just like on vacation and I looked around Fox. I saw Anna Belma at the DFC. She was doing, she was pre-dubbing Kung Fu Panda. And I walked out and I was like, mm, this is a problem because now, <laughs> now I've seen it and now I really want to do it, but I want to work at Skywalker. And so then I tried to like muster some kind of insane plan to do it. And it was an insane, crazy idea, but you just don't make any other plan and you just stick with the crazy plan that you make. Then at least I was like, well, I might get part of the way. You know what I mean? I'll go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> My story is not too different. Like, I'm a California native, so I, I didn't risk it all dropping my life and moving across the world. So I you know, grew up playing music and my dad was a musician, still is, and he was, a, he was a gigging musician. So when we spent time together, I was very much around. I was helping him coil cables and plug in amps and you know set up microphones and stuff like that. I remember one time I was wrapping a cable incorrectly, but how I saw everybody else do it, you know, how you do it all around your arm you know and I was so earnest about it I tied it so tight my arm got stuck in it (laughs) so I just kind of assumed that my path would be in music around I'd say you know late teenager I kind of came to terms with the reality that I was not nearly as talented or as motivated as I needed to be to be a professional musician to actually you know go all the way But I was really lucky to have an incredible music teacher basically for eight years at that point. I told him I was going to quit band. I also wanted to try and be cool in high school and band kids weren't cool. And I thought if I can just quit band, then I'll be cool. But then I also, that was a huge miscalculation. So I found myself not in band, not cool. And my great music teacher, he asked if I create like a music technology course, would you take it? And, you know, he was my favorite. So I thought, yeah, of course, like any class that you build, I'll obviously take it. So that's kind of how I got the Pro Tools was just kind of by chance. And I think he, you know, he's such a good teacher. He definitely saw that I was maybe cut out for more behind the scenes, less performance-based career. And I really loved it. I got hooked. But I did want to stick with music. So I went to school in LA, did a recording arts degree, and then started working at the Henson Recording Studios, the old A&M lot right after graduation. And that was an incredible experience, barely 20 years old and I learned so much and it was such an incredible, you you meet so many talented people, you meet so many creative people. And I learned a lot, obviously on the technical side of things, but you also just learn how to, how to read the room and how to ask the right questions and, you know, which are really important skills to have, I think, when you're doing this. I was there for a little while and I just kind of needed a change. I I didn't really see a a huge future there. And then there were a bunch of other personal considerations that I had where I kind of wanted to leave LA for a little bit. I was still really focused on my career, but I just didn't really feel like I was in the right place for the right time. And then some personal considerations, I decided to move to the Bay Area where I'm from originally. And it was just kind of like very quick and last minute. And I think I was coming to terms with the fact that I had given my career up working at a major recording studio in LA. Then I wasn't anymore. And I was in San Francisco. And I went from, it was in the summer. So it was 80 degrees and sunny and gorgeous in LA. And summer in San Francisco is disgusting. It's 60 and foggy and windy. And so I laid in bed for a couple weeks, drinking wine and just (laughs) pondering, where did I go wrong? I worked so hard to this point. (laughs) How do I possibly it's stop waking better? 
<laughs> yeah. An arm reaches out from the comforter just to grab the bottle on the ground. <laughs> Um, and I was waiting tables again. I had a college degree. Everything was just like, what the hell? What have I done? Decided to apply to Skywalker based off of encouragement from my boyfriend at the time. You know, He was like, well, why don't you give him a call? And I was like, I don't think you understand. Skywalker is not just a place that you call. Ooh, you, <laughs> yeah, why don't you call them? <laughs> why, don't, why don't you find their number somewhere? He started Googling around. Great supportive guy that he was. And he found the email address of Leslie Ann Jones, who runs our scoring stage there, and she's phenomenal. And he wrote me a little blurb and everything, introducing myself, and was just like, just sign your name, send it off, see what happens. And I did, and it was Tuesday night at probably like eight or nine o'clock, and an hour later, she responded immediately. And she was like, we would love to have you at the ranch, come for lunch, I'll show you around. Obviously, I took her up on that right away. And she introduced me to the to the man who would eventually hire me. At that point, of course, they had no no availabilities, no open positions. We have your resumes at the top of the pile. We know we know what you want. I don't like to bug people. I, I'm not a, I don't like to nag, but I just made a point of every two weeks just emailing him, letting him know I'm still here. I'm still here. Got anything? Got anything? The week before my 25th birthday, I got the chance to interview for an entry level position at Skywalker and I was so stoked and I interviewed and luckily interview went okay. <laughs> <laughs> but all these roads have brought y'all all together for Obi-Wan. Bonnie, you've been working on Star Wars for a long time. Danielle, you've worked on Star Wars recently. Julian, this is your first time in the Star Wars universe, or one of the first. And what was the process like with Obi-Wan? And I think what might make this easy, especially for our listeners, is maybe describing y'all's individual roles and how that played out for the actual series. My role started a bit different, actually. We had a schedule shift. So originally I was on in the process. We did some spotting sessions. Originally I was going to be the supervising sound editor. So, you know, early on we kind of get together and do spotting sessions. You know, we get the big picture of the, the story is so we can kind of understand what journey the characters are on and talk about that, discuss aesthetic for the show, at that point, design's happening as well. There's always this thing with Star Wars, you know, how to fit the new design in with the with the old design. You know, everything's got to be cohesive and from that galaxy. But obviously, there's a lot of stuff that's already in play. So that's quite a lot of the early talk is, you know, about about things like that. And really, really just a lot of it is, I know we're sound. Everybody thinks we only talk about the sound. But really, a lot of the conversations are really based in the story story is is getting told how we're going to approach things like that the, the nitty-gritty of what you're discussing with the director that the director is not going to tell you how they want a sound made or something like that it's really just how those sounds are going to work with the story and how it's all going to play together the earlier you start thinking about this the better then you're not just like throwing stuff at it and see what sticks they do the same with the music you know you, they get the demos and they live with that and sit with that and see what's what see what works so the earlier we can do that with the sound as well like the better i was really excited to work on the series for a number of reasons obviously i wanted to work with deb i had heard such great things she seems she's such a talent and i was very very excited to be able to collaborate with her i was also really excited there has been such a big influx of content around these storylines that this one really did seem not only really unique but something that I think the fans had been really wanting for a long time 
And it did seem like a, a major chapter in the world and in the narrative that really excited me. What I was pleasantly surprised about, especially with working with Deb, is how intentional she was. And I think that that really led to almost having more freedom on our end because she was so clear with what she wants. She was so clear on what the story was, what Obi's personal journey was. And she really wanted everything that we did and everything we put in to strictly serve that purpose. That really narrows your focus in a way that originally you might think is limiting, but actually really allows you to get really, really creative when you're zeroed in on the four or five things that really, truly matter to this whole story. It was just a really rewarding experience working on the narrative, working with Deb. I got to talk about the music. Natalie Holt, just Bonnie and I had the pleasure of, of working with her on the first for the first time on a Marvel series called Loki. And we were just jaw drop when we heard her score for a few episodes. Bangers. You know, they're just bangers. Absolutely. And uh, incredible. it's so absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's so unique to her. I've heard things like her score before or, or elements that are that remind me of it, but I haven't really heard anything like her work before. It's stuff that sticks with you. Typically, when you wrap a show, you need a little space from it. <laughs> you don't want to hear you don't want to hear the cues. You don't want to hear the sound design. You don't necessarily want to rush home and watch it. You just have spent so much time with this content. You know, you need a break from it. But after both of the shows that I've worked with her score on, I've wrapped and I've immediately gone and been like, let's see if we can, how soon will this release on Spotify? How soon can we listen to this? That was really rewarding. And then also got to mention our sound designer, John Borland, who is, I can't really think of somebody who's better suited for the role and for that, for this particular job. He is such a fan and he's such a talent and he took so much care in everything from, you know, the massive droids to the little baby little womp rat that scurries across in, I think, like episode one. And so that was incredibly rewarding. Overall, it was just a really beautiful experience. I feel so lucky to have been able to play a part in it. And just some of the battle scenes, Vader and Obi, the episodes that I particularly focused on, we had to create a lot of tension. So that meant really pulling a lot of things back at certain times and being okay sitting in the silence and, and carving out those rhythmic beats in our sound design. So Bonnie and Danielle are the Polishers artists extraordinaire. It all starts in pre-production and they, they get this feel for it. And this is when I get the call. I'm a production sound mixer, so I work on set while we're filming. I'm actually hands-on in the middle of the battle, as you say, as, as we're doing it. My work then gets, and then the edit then gets handed off to post-production where it's polished and, and all of a sudden it's made believable. Bringing a story and, and then, as Danielle said, a rhythm to life that brings an emotional backbone to a, a show or a film. Nothing drew, drew me to the project. I got uh, one phone call from the uh, production manager who said, we're making a Star Wars series um, about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Would you be interested? He was like, oh, I'll, I'll call you back. He was like, yes, I'm interested. I'll clear the diary. I'm in. No problem. There was no, there was no sell whatsoever. And then it just got better because it was like, okay, it's Obi-Wan. Ewan's coming back. Then you get to know that Deborah Chow is going to helm this monster and do all the whole series. I mean, what a leader. There was not a question that you'd ask her that she didn't know an answer to and have a, an answer with a reason and a, and a feeling behind it and an emotion that came through it. What an incredible woman to work for. She's amazing. She is genuinely amazing. My bit is all pre-production. It always starts with a script, with dialogue. And I'm there to try and capture and protect as much of that dialogue as I can. 
Sometimes that's impossible. Sometimes, you know, it needs to be changed, but I'm there at the start. Is My main concern is dialogue and to protect those performances. And, and it expands, you know, and it contracts at various forms. We're on sets. I provide like earpieces. We're here for communications on set. And Deborah had a unique way of working. Is We used to have a, it's a big set and it's very emotional. And we have a lot of background artists. And Deborah brought in earlier at that point was also to use music at an earlier point in the in production rather than thinking of natalie's work amazing but it was like let's use music on a set as well for big entrance because there's lots of star and, and hero entrances in this where darth vader walks down the street is that episode three when we first see vader and he walks down the, this mining streets and you've got all this background and stormtroopers and and when he first walks across set and that has again to say it has a rhythm and how do you give that? And Deborah was like, we need to play music on set. We need to play, bring John Williams on set and play it while they're doing these walks and talk or whatever. And it blew everybody away. You saw the stormtroopers' shoulders went back and the helmet, as soon as you'd hear the music, the walk to a pace and it gives this whole different vibe. And Deborah was so clever with that. And it elicited, at that point, we're also encouraging the elicitation of a performance, something different. It's all about, as, you know, as Bonnie said, it's story. We're here to tell the story and in any way possible, tell the best story that we can. I'm there on set to help Deborah in any which way I can. Whatever she says is like, let's go for it. Let's experiment and play around and, and work on set to get those and capture those performances. And now I call Skywalker every two weeks and wait for the next job and going, is there another one coming? <laughs> so I'm doing the same thing, Danielle. I'm still ringing them. They're ignoring me, but I'm still ringing. It's like, do you need anybody again? Because I'm desperate. It's brilliant. We'll put Sky Sound's phone number at the end of the show in the show notes, just for if anyone else wants to just, you know. <laughs> ben Burt's number is direct mobile. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. He'll love it. Yeah, I'm sure that'll be a big hit. This story was so intrinsic to a lot of fans and so important to just across generations. And Daniel, I'd love to start with you. Just any specific challenge or moment that you remember when you were putting this show together, Kenobi specifically, that you're still especially proud of? Any mix like that is incredibly difficult. The amount of elements that you're working with between the score and the sound design and the production dialogue and the ADR is a ton of wrinkle. Everything happens all at once, all the time. You start with a bulldozer, this here, that get out of the way, this here, that get out of the way for the whole thing. And then you can start to pull the details out. But getting that general shape is really hard. There's, there's only so many frequencies out there. And if you have everything happening all in the same frequency, you're not going to hear anything and you're just going to be exhausted at the end of the day. So it is a lot of work, really. It's a lot of it's a lot of elbow grease to get something like that into shape. To me, the biggest challenge, though, was the expectation, not only around this series, but around the sound of Star Wars in general. Obviously, working at Skywalker Sound, we're acutely aware constantly about the great, the greatness that came before us. And it's not so abstract. Gary Rydstrom happened to be in the building when I was mixing one of my episodes and we started chatting and he said, what are you working on? And I didn't want to tell him. <laughs> because I didn't want him to go and complain and get me kicked off the project. And <laughs> not, he's a lovely human being. He wouldn't do that. But there is there is that there is that feeling of like there's I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be in this seat. You know, there's definitely that imposter syndrome. That was really challenging knowing what a high bar was set. Trying to meet that not only in general, but also in such a different format. Obviously we mix this natively theatrically. But we're, we're always aware that at the end of the day, a majority of people are going to listen to this on their devices, out of two speakers, and that is a huge consideration at this point. I'd say the biggest challenge was seeing Gary Rydstrom, being honest with him about what I was doing. There was like a moment of like a beat and 
everything about my social experience knows that I need to say, you should come by and have a listen. And I was just, I didn't want it. I didn't want that. I really didn't want to. But of course, but of course I wanted to. So I said, you should come by and listen. And I hoped that he would be too busy, rightfully so. But sure enough, later in the day, as I was working on, I think this was the intro to episode three. It's the more machine than man montage. As I was working on that, he came in. And he sat down and he sat down behind me and just started to watch me work. And that was terrifying and nerve wracking. And he gave incredible feedback and he was so helpful and so down to earth and so encouraging. Every once in a while, he'll throw in information that is just like, just displayed, just displayed how his mind works and, and, and what, what uh, level that he is at, this unattainable level of knowledge of, of sound. That was a sequence that was hard to put together, but so much fun to work on, incredibly exciting. You're given something that other people have carefully cur- curated for years and you've seen it. And so the responsibilities, it sits on your shoulders for that first time is, oh my God, what, have I, what am I doing? The desire to, to do its service. I'm a fan, the same as everybody else. I'm a huge fan. And I just want to do it a service and, and, and not let the side down. It's a different challenge in terms of I'm working with 80 other people that make noise on set. And there's things that make noises. There are fans, there are explosions. There's also the droids are, are all mechanical and the motors in them. There's all sorts of things that are thrown at me that it's just like, Obi-Wan Kenobi's going to make this little speech here. But just to help out, we're going to bring on these two huge fans and just to make his hair look cool, do you think you can get this? And you're like, well, you know, I can try. And then that responsibility, those are my main challenges, is just dealing with noisy sets, solutions, costumes. You know, we spend a lot of time in prep. I used to, you know, the first thing I do in prep is I go to the studio where we're filming and I go to meet the costume designer because it's like that has a huge impact on how I can do my job. So it's like, can I get her to look at Darth Vader's costume, please? Because not because I want to do anything else, but I just want to see it. And then look at all the other, the Inquisitors and these, these superhero costumes. And we have to put radio mics on them all. And it's like, how can we get them in? How can we make them as quiet as possible? And it's all those, it's logistics and working with this noise, you know, things that make noise. And I have to get rid of things that make noise. And the only thing I want to make a noise is an actor. And a lot of the time is that doesn't happen. So the challenges are noise. Sets, you've obviously know through, if you've seen behind the scenes of The Mandalorian and also Obi-Wan Kenobi, is we use a volume, which is a big, giant, circular LCD video screen with a, with a roof that can, that can just project anything live onto it. So you can, you can change planets. You can go from an ice planet to a desert in five minutes for the time it takes to press one button and change the background. And these sets also give their unique difficulties of working within if you have a smooth circular room that's reflective it's a flat screen that's fully circular and you stand in that middle of the room and you shout and and bonnie and danielle can can attest to this better than anybody it sounds awful you're doing a good job you're doing a good job it sounds awful because you get into these open sets and the sound just bounces around it just keeps going it's the whispering gallery times 10 it's the paul's cathedrals times then and the reflections come round and, and and it's dealing with that that was my biggest challenge is those sets you can build sets inside of it sometimes they're just open and empty and it's, and it's dealing with that and at that point the biggest challenge is handed over to bonnie and danielle to deal with that those are my did biggest you have those baffles did you have the baffles, we had on baffles there, yeah yeah so we bring in sound baffles which are like these big 
black sheets of ZR Acoustics, this company that builds them. I mean, they're incredible. If you put your ear to one side, you can hear it go quiet and then you can still hear They're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. In that sense, it's also a negotiation. It's like it's a big light blocker. So when you have Darth Vader on set with this hugely reflective costume that reflects everything that you see on him, which is why the volume works really, really well, you can't just put a six foot by four foot black thing in front of you or around him because you're just going to see it and it's going to look rubbish on the costume. So it's a constant negotiation. So we had those baffles and whenever we could bring them in, you were like running into set on close-ups and trying to bring them in and put them onto set. You know, there was a lot of dependence on labs or it's just put as many mics as possible on there. And then the creative choices at which point are taken away from me at that point. And it's, you know, Daniel and Bonnie that are going, these are the things that we're now going to choose and they deal with it. Or, you know, we've got an amazing creative option of ADR. It's not a dirty word. It's an amazing creative solution that can change storylines and can help tell story even better. So we have all these tools to deal with that. There are challenges, but I think listening to it, I mean, because I leave it a production and in the end it goes to post. And so I get that breather after production until it releases. And so I'm very excited when it first comes out. I was like, I can't wait to hear this. I felt goosebumps. My hair stood on end. An amazing soundtrack. It's just that iconic. You know, soundtrack is, is as iconic as the visuals or the droids. The sound of Star Wars is is huge. We have Skywalker Ranch, for goodness sake, that's named after it, that's purely dedicated to sound for that reason. You know, the sound of Star Wars is bigger than anything. And so it's it's a huge responsibility. And I think in this series, it's one that Danielle and, and Bonnie... I should be sure to mention Scott Lewis. He's the third mixer on the oh, series. Yeah. And he did. We let him we let him alone with the majority of the hardest work. <laughs> yeah, he wrote. <laughs> and he did an incredible job with it. How did Kenobi differ for you to kind of write out this whole conversation? And what unique challenges did the, did the production bring? You know, I think it was Vader, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like, whenever you're dealing with him, you got to, like, think about, like, powerful he is at each like each part of the story and so for obi-wan he's like he's, he's powerful <laughs> like he's really he's really ramping up into like rogue one you know badassery and so for stuff like that it's like you know danielle was you know talking about like how we make for the format and every time you get baby you're just like mm, i want this big theatrical boom you know like you you like you want you want to make shake with him and so dealing with him in like the home theater environment i mean i've done it for for rebels we had vader and stuff like that but when you're dealing with like live action like kind of high stakes everybody's waiting for this kind of moment you want to be able to like deliver on that so you got to kind of really like wheel and deal at that point as to like how you're going to give him as much real estate as you can like possibly give him because you know usually if you're dealing with like the theatrical you know you can be leaning on that music and you can be pushing your you can be pushing your your force you know and here you could be you gotta you gotta weave it a bit do a bit more kind of give and take that that you know technically and kind of storytelling wise i think that was kind of that was the challenge you've, you've always got to like leave room to kind of get bigger as well because obviously like episode six is going to be like the, the big one so you've got to like leave a bit of room to kind of grow as well so a very fun problem to have julian and danielle and and bonnie thank you very much congratulations on the nomination for the cinema audio society awards and good luck and we will talk very soon thank you very much Thanks for having thank us Brandon.
thank you so much again to Bonnie, Julian, and Danielle for being so fantastic. And thank you to Ian and Skywalker Sound for the coordination and the help with the interview. It was absolutely fantastic. More episodes are coming very soon, including next week's with Brendan Wayne, as well as Leilani Shu. And if you're attending Celebration London, we'll be hosting a panel on the Holland stage, so definitely make it a point to come and say hi. If you're enjoying the show, please head to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these episodes and leave us a five-star rating interview. It means the world. That's all for now. Until next episode, stay tuned, leave that five-star review, and may the force be with you.